0: Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. Praise God. We are going to continue where we left off. Now, I'll just do a quick review uh, of what we spoke about last week. We began in verse 7. Remember again that this is a new section. And uh, it's the Apostle John is returning back to the subject of love. Remember again that he began this in chapter 3. And he talked about this to, to quite a degree in chapter 3. But now uh, he is broadening and expanding and enhancing its significance in this chapter, beginning in verse 7, by saying, Beloved, let us love one another. Remember again that John MacArthur says that this phrase is the key to the entire section. The original language conveys the idea of making sure that love is a habitual practice. So this isn't something that we are meant to force, we're trying to force ourselves to do. This is meant to be something that we do automatically because we have a God of love living inside of us. Remember, we looked at that last week. I will, we'll get to that quote yeah. in just a minute and look at it again. But remember that the Apostle John learned this uh, from Jesus himself. And remember, we looked at John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, and where Jesus said, A new commandment I give you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. He went and said in verse 35, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. The important verse I wanted to really look at at in, in this time was verse 34, when Jesus said that he's giving us a new commandment. Remember I said that this really wasn't a new commandment, because in Leviticus, I believe it was in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18, it talked about loving your neighbor. So what made this commandment new? Remember I told you before that what made this commandment new was the standard that was set. He said, as I have loved you, that you love one another. So Jesus set the standard. He, read, he, he raised the bar and he said, listen, I'm going to tell you how to love now. And he said, it's going to be like this and as somebody once said you know he opened up his arms and died for all of us so it was a love that was willing to give everything up including his own life remember this is not a suggestion it's a commandment hallelujah all right and uh, the the whole we we went and looked at the kind of love that we're talking about remember it wasn't just a normal love that this is divine love and we looked at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 i'm not going to go through all of that today Uh, in verses 4 through 7, and we describe what kind of love this was, that it was patient, it was kind, it wasn't rude, it didn't demand its own way, and so on and so forth. And I I think I just love the, I love verse 7 where it says it never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance, and that's why it says love never fails. The important part about this was that if we love from our heart, then we're going to allow God's faith to work in our heart. And it, because that's the—that's really where the power is. It's in our heart, and if we walk in love, and which is the reason why, the, remember, Jesus said in Mark chapter eleven, verses twenty-five and twenty-six, we love. verse uh, you know, verses 23 and 24, but we don't like verse 25 and 26, <laughs> okay? Because verse 23 uh, and verse 24 talks about moving mountains and and whatever you ask in prayer, you're going to get it. And then we get to verse 25 and it says, if you have ought against anyone, we go, well, we you know, we just want to keep our ought against people. All right. And uh, <laughs> uh, Jesus said, don't do that because if you do that, you are compromising that power. That's the reason why the apostle John is bringing love back in is because he's trying to let us know that it is what allows that engine on the inside of us to keep working, to move mountains from our life and do the impossible in our life. And family, let me just say this, right now we need that working. Amen? And that's why this message is so timely and why we need it so much. Uh, let me continue on. So I'm back in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Remember again, he said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Now, I, I mentioned this before. The actual Greek says, for divine love, that's agape love, comes from God. So it isn't just that love is of God. What that verse is actually saying that is that this kind of love actually comes from God. And the only way we can activate that love in our life is by spending time with God. Amen? And uh, I just want to jump to uh, one more. Uh, here it is. The quote by I. Howard Marshall as we, as we get on to what I want to talk about today where he said a person cannot come into a relationship with a loving God without being transformed into a loving person. Hallelujah. And that's the only way that we can show this kind of divine love is to spend time with the person that is that love. Notice I didn't say he has that love. He is that love. God is love. Amen. Now this brings us to verse 8. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Okay. Which is the verse I want to look at today. Where the Apostle John goes on to say, he said, he who does not love God does not know God. Now this is really incredible. This is an incredible statement when you think about it. In other words, anyone who does not walk in or exhibit divine love lets us know that they have no real knowledge of God. Now let me stop there for a minute because I need to preach now. <laughs> um, this is telling us something really significant here in that it's letting us know that those people that don't exhibit this kind of divine love actually tell us that they actually don't really know God. They could say that they're Christians, but if they're not showing love in this way, then there is something that shows us something that even though they profess to be a part of God's family, God may not really be their father. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are very religious family. I mean, you know, they, they, can, they can, you know, uh, be religious with the best of them. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, and they can pick out all the faults in your life and they can tell you what you're doing wrong. And it's interesting that love never criticizes. Isn't that interesting? And yet, you know, it, at the same time, you know, they say we have a relationship with God. We know God. And yet they don't behave like God. Hello. Amen. Especially in this area of love. And that's what he's saying, he who does not love does not know God. So we, we immediately when you see people that are walking contrary to, and there's a reason why I brought out First Corinthians chapter 13, was to give you a detailed description of the kind of love we're talking about, so that it's not something, you know, in your mind that you think, well, you know, I walk in love. You know, I was I was nice to my cat yesterday, so I'm walking in love. <laughs> okay? It wasn't that. I gave you a full description of what that love is, and if people aren't walking in that then it tells us something that they actually don't know God. Now, listen, it's not that you have to be perfect all the time. Dear God, I'm not. All right, I'll put my hand up there. All right, it's not that at all. But there is a difference between making mistakes and criticizing other people about the things that they do wrong. Are you all with me? Amen? There's, that's a real difference. And those people are not showing that kind of love. So again, I'm not talking about not being perfect because none of us are. But there is something in love that even though we're imperfect, We know not to criticize other people. We know not to do things that are against that love of God. Hallelujah. And you know, if you're sitting there thinking, dear God, I did all that wrong. Well, repent. Remember, we're in that that very epistle that says, if we acknowledge our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? So just get that out of the way and move on, family. Just move on. Hallelujah. Let's get back to this. And again, let me just say this. In other words, anyone who again does not walk in or uh, exhibit... Divine love lets us know that they have no real knowledge of God, not in the way that those who are born again and are true children of God know Him. Remember again, knowing Him means that you've spent time with Him, that you have His Spirit upon you and that you have that, that Spirit about you. You know, it's so interesting. Sometimes we meet people and you almost can sort of say, that's a Christian. Other people, you're really shocked, <laughs> you know. They insist that they are, and you look at them and go, are you really sure, you know. Okay, In his co- I'm going to leave it there, all right. In his commentary, John MacArthur writes, Someone may profess to be a Christian, but only those who display love like their Heavenly Father, did you hear that, display love like their Heavenly Father, actually possesses His divine nature and are truly born again. Wow, did you get that? It's everything I've been saying. Can I repeat that? I'm going to repeat it, okay, because I can do it. All right, (laughs) again, John MacArthur writes, someone may profess to be a Christian. Again, I said this to you before, people say, well, I'm a Christian, you know, I'm a believer, I'm this and I'm that and everything else. But only those who display love like their Heavenly Father. Now, that is such a key thing. Not love like the way they think they should be loving, not love like the way they define love, but love like their Heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. Says actually possesses his divine nature. Did you hear the words divine nature? It isn't a natural thing. This is supernatural. Do you understand divine nature means godly nature? Amen. And it says actually possesses his divine nature and are truly born again. Now, I know that there is some controversy about this, and you know you might say, Well, who's to say? I'm gonna say this to you. Listen, if, you know, you might be struggling in a lot of areas, but if you have no conscience about the way you behave, listen to me. I'm not saying be perfect. I'm just saying if you have no conscience about the way you behave, when you behave in an unloving manner, something is off there. Can I say that? Okay, I said that. All right. <laughs> okay, it's too late. All right. So it's, it's not that I want you to be perfect, but if you do something, you know, if you're unloving, something should be going off on the inside of you saying, we shouldn't, I shouldn't be thinking that. I shouldn't be that way. And if you're thinking that, and I don't care how many times you failed, if you're thinking that, that the, the divine nature is in there, you can breathe a sigh of relief. Okay, you can kind of go, oh, thank God. Okay, God is in there. Uh, but I'm saying for those people that don't have that, that is concerning. Okay, added to this, let me continue. Thomas F. Johnson says that the main point that the Apostle John makes is that having or not having this relationship with God is clearly seen In how people treat each other. Wow, this is this is really powerful. Can I say it again? Listen, having or not having this relationship with God. Remember again that John said, "He who does not love uh, does not love, does not know God." Okay. In relation to that, having or not having this relationship, knowing God. Okay. Clearly, is clearly seen in how people treat each other. So, if people treat treat each other in a certain way. We can clearly see the relationship they have with God based on the kind of relationship they have with each other. Are you all with me? That's why Jesus said, by this they will know that you are my disciples because you have love one for another. So again, he says, having or not having this relationship with God is clearly seen in how people treat each other. They either love with the love that comes from God. Hello. So we're, we're talking about a supernatural love here. We're not talking about a natural love. Again, he says, they either love uh, love with the love that comes from God, or they do not. Amen. So if you got that kind of love that doesn't come from God, and one minute you love them, and the next minute, well, bless God, I don't like him because, you know, okay, <laughs> that's not a God love. Okay, that's some other kind of love. You know what I'm trying to say? All right. Agape love is the evidence of authentic spirituality. Wow. This is a very powerful thing. All right, or listen to me again. It says Agape love, God's kind of divine love is the evidence of authentic spirituality. In other words, somebody might say, "Well, I'm a spiritual, you know I, I, I you know, I, I do all of these things, and they might just go on about all kinds of spiritual things that they think is spiritual that they do. It's funny how people define spirituality by the number of times they go to church, by the number of prayer meetings they have, by all of these things and yet they still have no real relationship with God. And you know, some people say, well, I pray for three hours. W- what are you praying? You know, If you are praying for three hours and you're not showing love, then there's something else going on in that three hours. Amen. I know I don't want to bust your bubble, but I'm just saying, man, this is not about how much time you spend telling God about your things and going in there to get everything you want from Him. This is about spending time with Him, listening to Him, receiving from Him. And, and as, as we talked about before, beginning to take on his nature. Amen? That's why I said you need to have quiet times with God. You know, don't go in there with a big list. Go in there and see what his list for you is. And then adopt that and move on from there. That's just a little free advice for you. All right, the Apostle John then ends this verse with one of the most profound statements in all of Scripture when he says God is love. Boy, listen. Listen. We need to join this up with the first part of the verse. When he said, he who does not love does not know God because he says God is love. Do you understand that you can't say that you know God and not have love in your life when he is love? I mean, he doesn't just have love. He is love. Did you get that? I've said here this, this incredible and most significant revelation is now added to what he had said earlier about God, and that is that God is spirit. That is John four twenty four. That's the Gospel of John, and in the Epistle of John, 1 John chapter one and uh, verse five, where he said God is light. So we now have a third description. So not only do we know that God is spirit and that God is light, but now we know that God is love. Hallelujah! I, I wrote a book called you know Love and Light because I believe that those those were two of the major characteristics about God. Of course, his spirit, okay? But those those two characteristics show us something that you can't have a God who is love. Listen to me, who is love and who is light doing things that would fall in the category of darkness. Hurting people and doing things that are, you know, destructive things. Amen. Now, let me continue on because I'm running out of time. William MacDonald quoting G.S. Barrett says that these words are the greatest words ever spoken in human speech. That is, that God is love. Can you imagine the revelation that is behind those few words? You know, I, I remember at one point, somebody was saying that, you know, the Apostle Paul was very eloquent in his writing, and he had so many deep revelations. And, you know, there were a lot of things that just were, even, even the Apostles, you know, Peter said it was difficult to, to sort of understand some of the things that the Apostle Paul wrote. Um, and, and, you know, he is an incredible man of God. Let me just say that, and, okay? But what was interesting was that the Apostle John, on the other hand, is quite simple. When, the, when you want to learn Greek and you want to, you know, look at all complicated things about Greek, you do uh, the Apostle Paul's uh, epistles. But if you want some, something very simple, then you look at the Apostle John, but the thing with the Apostle John is, even though the Greek is simple, the revelation is profound. <laughs> you know, he's got these things. He'll say something. He will just drop something like this, like, "Oh, by the way, God is love," and poof, you know, it just blow your mind. Hello, God is light. I mean, we know that there, you know, light emanates from God, but we didn't know that God was actually light. Sin, there's a revelation in that, okay? Just as much as there's a revelation. In God is love. And if you have a relationship with love, then you are going to start exhibiting that kind of love through everything and in everything that you do. And so you can't say that you know, can I, can I rephrase it? You can't say that I know love and don't behave in a loving way. Did you see what I just did? Okay, where people say I know God and then they're not behaving in a loving way. Can I just... Replace God because God is love. Okay, God equals, okay, in that sense. All right, if God is love, you can't say, I know love, and then behave in an unloving way. You're getting this now. And so again, he says, let's get back to this. Uh, He says that these words are the greatest words ever spoken in human speech. The greatest words in the whole Bible. I think that's extraordinary, okay? It is impossible to suggest, even in the briefest outline all that these words contain. In other words, the rev- in other words, the revelation contained in these few little words, in this one little line, is you know it's so far-reaching that it will take an entire eternity to get through it all, and we're still never going to understand it. Hallelujah! All right. And so he says again: it is impossible to suggest, even in the briefest outline, all that these words contain, for no human and no created intellect has ever. Or will ever fathom their unfathomable meaning. (laughs) So this thing is so far. I'm gonna give you a little bit more insight into this in just a minute. But what he's trying to tell us is that this thing goes so far beyond our experience, beyond our ability to comprehend it. It's kind of like the the symbol infinity. You know, you look at it, you know what it is, but you can't ever you, you can't ever imagine infinity. You go crazy? Okay, and God is an infinite God, and that infinite God has an infinite love. Did you just get what I said? And so, if we understand that this this God, as much love as we can comprehend, it keeps going further and further and further. It is uncomprehend. We just can't comprehend it. All right, all right. Let me continue. <laughs> This is so big, I have trouble talking to you about it, all right? Uh, He goes on to say, and and let me me just read this because it's in the middle of a sentence. Uh, So he says again here, For no human and no created intellect has ever or will ever fathom their unfathomable meaning, but we may reverently say that this one sentence concerning God contains the key, listen, the key to all God's works and ways. Now this is so important, family. The mystery of creation, redemption, and the being of God himself. Everything about creation, everything about redemption, and everything about God himself is described in this one little sentence. Are you getting this? In other words, let me just elaborate on this now. When we look at creation, everything that was created, and I mean before the fall... After the fall, a lot of things went all wacky, okay? Uh, Things started eating each other and everything. They never did that before the fall, okay? Everything that was created was created by love and therefore displayed love in the way they were towards each other. That's why we, when we look at the book of Revelation, it says that the lion will lie down with the lamb. The, you know, the lamb won't be sitting there going, "Okay, you know, that lion is looking at me like, oh, dinner's here early." <laughs> right? Uh, that was that, that was all. That all happened after the fall, family. But before the fall, there was nothing like that. Everything loved. Everything walked around with this love of God in it. Are you getting this? Amen. And so we, we understand that when we understand this one phrase, you understand now why, why I, I'm taking so much time sharing this with you? Because if you see anything contrary to this, and I was going to say this towards the end, which I guess we're getting to right now. If you see anything contrary to God is love. If you see anything or hear anything that says, well, you know, God brought this upon us and God's trying to teach something, you know, teach us something by doing this bad thing to us and all of that stuff. Listen. A God who is love will not do any of that stuff because we again described all of that in First Corinthians chapter 13 and he falls into all of that. Now, yes, God, you know, there is a God who is also judge of this universe. We understand that and we understand that God says vengeance is mine. When it comes to his kids and people hurting his kids, God will stand up and he will be something else to others. He will be our avenger, you know. That came in the Bible first, okay, not Marvel. Okay, that came from the Bible, (laughs) right? He is, God is our avenger. And I don't care how amazing those other ones are, God is beyond all of them. Hallelujah. And He is looking after us, but He looks after us because He loves us. Did you get that? And you really need to have a revelation of that today, family, because the times that we're going through right now, we need to know that God is love, And that God is looking after us. That love is looking after us. Amen? And that we shouldn't be afraid. And we need to have our faith in God and allow Him to be God in this situation in our life. This is a very timely message that we need to receive, not in our head, but in our heart. We need to get a revelation of this in our heart. Now, let me continue. In other words, as John MacArthur puts it, love is inherent in all that God is and God does. Even his judgment and wrath are perfectly harmonized with his love. Did you get that? See, all of his judgment, all of his wrath, all comes from his love. In other words, if he's a God of love, then he'll make sure that some people don't get up there because they're going to mess everything up. Because they decide to be evil. God didn't put it in them. They decide to be a certain way. And family, let me just say this to you. A God of love will make sure That when you get to heaven, it is heaven. (laughs) Okay? There isn't stuff waiting up there that you go, Dear God, if this is heaven, I want to be somewhere else. Amen. All right. So, hopefully you got that. that. Therefore, what this tells us is that if if anything in the Bible, listen to me, Old Testament or New, seemingly contradicts this statement, we need to go back and re-examine what we thought we knew. Find out what they actually said, and change our doctrine and way of thinking. There is so much out there right now that is, and I've heard this, there are people that are saying that, well, you know, God is, you know, he, he knows who's going to die, and he knows, you know, he's, there's a plan in everything that's going on, and he's got a plan for, for this thing that is happening right now. I don't want to describe any of it because I don't want to date this video. But, you know, people have this idea, and they have always had these ideas, throughout time, that whenever something hits, whenever, some, whenever a tragedy hits, something happens, they just say, well, you know, God is sovereign. Have you heard that word? Okay. That God is sovereign. Listen, it doesn't ever say God is sovereign. It says God is love. But they say, well, no, God is sovereign, you see. And so whatever happened, he knows what's going to happen. And if it's happening, it's because he's letting it happen, because he it, it somehow fits in his plan and his will. You know, if bad people like that, we'd put them in jail. I'm just telling you, man, I mean, we put people, that's what jails are filled up with. People that thought that they they knew better and they were going to do stuff to people that were hurting them, but it was for their own good. How come we have that kind of stupidity in the pulpit when even the world knows we need to lock stuff up like that in a jail and put them away from normal society? Because that's sick, man. That's messed up. Listen, I'm telling you, I know I'm being a little strong here, but I really need to say this to you guys. You need to understand that God is love. And in order for him to work, see, somebody, you know, I, I said this to you before, you know, somebody said, well, why, doesn't, why does God allow these things to happen? Because he allows people to make decisions. Can I tell you what's sovereign? Your decision. Somebody once said, hey, God can fix the whole world by just killing off all the people. <laughs> you know? And that'll be the end of that problem. You know, you don't find animals doing this to each other. We're the ones that, that, that cause all kinds of cares and problems. Listen, I, you know, okay, I don't take that and run with it, but I'm just saying to you, listen, God requires us to cooperate with him. In a time like this, we need to understand that God is love. We need to align ourselves with him. We need to understand that we have a part to play in this and that redemption will come through us as we stand, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Amen. And do what God tells us to do. And be the people that God needs us to be in this time. And understand that this is not coming from God. That God is love and God is looking to show love through us to other people. Hallelujah. Let's do something extraordinary in this time. Let's be a blessing. Not just look to be blessed. Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we just thank you today. For this incredible word, Father. And we just thank you for all the wisdom, insight, and revelation that we are receiving from this, uh, this amazing epistle. We just thank God for John. <laughs> and We thank God for this apostle that could not be killed. And we understand why now. He had such incredible revelation about you, God. And he walked in the fullness of that revelation throughout his life. To where he decided when he was going to go home. Nobody was going to dispatch him before his time. Hallelujah. And I just thank you, Father, that as we we study this epistle, as we receive his wisdom, that we will be people like him. Just like him, Lord, in this earth. The sort of people that you desired. The sort of kingdom that you were looking to build. And so we just thank you. And these kingdoms are built in our heart. And we just thank you, Father. For this kingdom. For your rule. Through us. In this kingdom. That this kingdom can go out to people. And be a blessing. We thank you for supernatural help. In Jesus precious name. Everybody said. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.